0: Jake! Was it you? No? Was it you, John? No! Who could betray our Lord like that? I just don't get it! We've all been here for years! What benefit could come from betraying Jesus anyway? I don't know, but I wish you'd hurry up and tell us who it is, so we could take care of it. I thought you were the loving disciple! Well, you know, whoever it is needs to learn a lesson. You don't betray Jesus, and get away with it. That can't be right. Jesus must be confused. None of us can betray him. We've given up our entire life. Oh. Why give that up now? I'm just rat could follow them off the boat. If someone was going to betray him, you could bet it won't be me. No. He changed my name with Simon to Peter. Which means rock. You know it I'll stay firm. Like a rock. I will follow him until the end. I will fight to defend him! I'll even die if I have to. Could it be me? Nathaniel? I've followed Jesus for three years. I've witnessed the miracles. I've seen him heal sick. I've seen him turn this group of men into the miracle workers themselves. And now he says one of us will betray? How can that be? I I don't think I'm even capable of such a thing. Maybe he thinks differently though. Maybe. Maybe he thinks I can't be trusted. I I did say, you know, that nothing good can come from magic. He does know me better than I know myself. What do I do now? It's too late. If I try to return the money now, I'll probably hang for treason. You know, it's not like we're going to kill him or anything. You know, he hasn't broken any laws, deserving of death. So why shouldn't I get it? He claimed, he came. They give us life to the full. Look, huh. our life's been full, all right, for hardship. Following Jesus, we all walk in the fall. After all I've done for Him, I deserve some kind of reward. Whatever you're going to do, do it Good,
1: Good morning, everybody. Yeah. Great job. I want to welcome you to Greater Alton, and uh, it's good to have you here, Easter Sunday morning, and um, these guys have been sitting like this uh, since 9 o'clock, so now they're worried, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're wondering how long I'm going to go, and I'll try to be brief. Um, A picture does say a thousand words, doesn't it? It really is worth that many words. And this picture here, uh, da Vinci tries to capture that moment when Jesus says, someone is going to betray me. And probably originally they sat in a circle and close to one another. But da Vinci wanted every face to be seen. He wanted everybody to see the different reactions. In fact, working from left to right, you see different reactions in the painting of, of surprise, of deep thought, of anger. Uh, just about every emotion you can imagine. And a lot happened with what's going on right here when Jesus had His Last Supper with the disciples. If you know anything about uh, Jewish history, anything about the Bible, you read the Gospels, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record the Last Supper. John is extensive. He, uh, he's very thorough. So, so is Luke in Luke 22. And it's during the Passover, the Passover meal. And it's combined with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so this eight-day ordeal is about to come, uh, about to happen. And so Jesus, it says in in the Bible that He was eagerly, He says, I eagerly desire to, to eat with you the Passover. In other words, He says, I can't wait to eat with you. And so he makes—he already has this room reserved. He already has places set. He tells his disciples, once you go into town, you're going to see a man carrying a water jar. Now, why would he say that? Well, a man carrying a water jar was unheard of in Jewish culture. Usually the women did that. So to see a man carrying a water jar, he'd stick out like a sore thumb. And sure enough, they run into this man and they make preparations. They clean the room thoroughly of any yeast. They make sure this room is completely clean. They, they get a lamb. They get some bread, some wine, some herbs, some bitter herbs. And they have this all ready to go. And so Jesus, when He gets with them, He decides to do something a little different. Though they're going to celebrate the Passover, and if you know anything about the Passover, it's a celebration of a memorial service of when God passed over the Israelites on that last plague, that death angel, when they put the blood of a lamb over the doorposts and then they would be inside with their family and some of their neighbors and they would kind of hunker down, eat some unleavened bread. And the reason that they ate unleavened bread was because God was trying to tell them, while I pass judgment on Egypt, I'm going to redeem you. And this unleavened bread, you don't have time for the bread to rise. So you're going to have to eat it quickly and you're going to eat these bitter herbs because at any moment... You're going to have to move. You're going to have to get on your feet and leave Egypt. So they tucked their their cloak so they could move quickly with their feet. They kept their sandals on and according to Exodus, they'd hold on to their staff and eat these bitter herbs together and this bread and this lamb and tell their children, God is going to deliver us out of the bondage of Egypt. So Jesus takes advantage of the Passover meal and says, I'm going to do something with it because... Like the Passover Lamb, I'm the Lamb of God, and I'm going to be offered for all of mankind. And God, hopefully, will pass over those who are His. i got three things I want to tell you that I noticed when I've been reading this week about the Last Supper that I believe Jesus wants you to know this morning. Because during this Last Supper, we see... A moment of revealing some things, a moment of reflecting on some things, and a moment to remember some things. Because here's the thing, with this supper, Jesus is, is saying, I want you to look. I want to reveal something. Look at the love I have for you. Remember, He eagerly, he eagerly wanted to eat the Passover meal with His disciples. The Passover meal was reserved for family and close friends. You brought family together and close friends together. And, that, and these guys had become family. Remember what Jesus said one time? Those, you remember, He said, My mother and brothers are those who what? Who believe Me and believe in Me. They're My real mothers and brothers. These guys had become family. And Jesus, being the host, kissed each of, the, of His disciples as they walked into the upper room. An expression of love. He'd also wash their feet, according to John chapter 14. He would wash their feet. Imagine, He's washing the feet of these disciples. No one else thought of washing. And, and instead of a servant being there, Jesus puts on a towel and washes their feet. He washes the feet of John, who is dear, He dearly loves, who is next to Jesus, His right-hand man, the one whom Jesus loved. We know that. But He also washed the feet of Peter who would, who would deny Him. And He'd also wash the feet of Judas who would betray Him, who would leave and turn Him in for the price of a damaged slave. Thirty pieces of silver. He dips dips, uh, his, His bread with His disciples. And if you know anything like last week, we learned about the bread of life. We know that this is a deep expression of affection and friendship and kinship when you did this with somebody in Jewish culture. Even today, breaking bread with somebody, it's considered an expression of friendship and kinship. And by dipping His bread... Uh, with the bitter herbs and handing it to Judas. You know what he's telling Judas? You're my special guest. You're the honored guest at this table. He goes on, and he besides doing all that, he warns all of his disciples. And that's what love will do, right? Sometimes love will warn your friends and warn those you, you care about of woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It'd be better if he wasn't born. And I thought this was interesting as I was studying this week, that Jesus never points Judas out. When you read the disciples, they're saying, Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? You know, Is it I? Is it I? You know, He says you're going, somebody's going to betray. In this group, at this very table, Is it I? Is it I? And Jesus could have easily said, It's Him right there. There's the guy. There's the rat. And, it, and you know what Peter would have done. He would have killed him on the spot. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't reveal His betrayer. Why? Because I, I believe because Jesus gives Judas every opportunity to change his mind. You see the love and patience of Jesus. He kisses Judas. He washes his feet. He dips. and breaks bread with him. He warns him. He doesn't reveal what he's doing. He's he's loving and he's patient to Judas. By the way. All these guys would have trouble following Jesus in the next few hours after this happens. Right? Peter would betray him. You know, John would run. He would come back. It says the Bible says the disciples scattered. They were so afraid, hid, not knowing what was going to happen. Why are you saying all that, Tim? Do you know how? much God loves you? How patient He is? How's your week been? How's your passion week been? That's what they call it, passion week. God loves you so much. If He saw you, He would kiss you. He would wash your feet. He would break bread with you. In fact, He wants to break bread with you today. He can't wait. We're going to do that here in a minute. You know, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. He can't wait to break bread with you because you're dear, so dear to Him. Oh, Tim, if you knew the week I had, if you've known the year I've had, you know, I can identify with some of these guys. I've been like Peter. I've been like Judas. I've been like Aunt, uh, Nathaniel. or I've been like Andrew. Or I've been like Matthew. You know, yeah, we all have, haven't we? We're just not very good at it sometimes. We fail. And yet, Jesus is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance and have everlasting life. I want you to know this morning, God is not in the damning business. You hear me? God is not in the damning business. He dearly loves you. And He, he, he takes the opportunity every Sunday when we take communion, church, He takes the opportunity to remind you of that. It's a, it's a Again, it's to remember. He, it, he reveals His love over and over again. And over again. Second thing is, he tells. I notice here is that with this supper, Jesus says to look inside. I mean, he drops a bombshell right in the middle of the meal. Someone's going to betray me, huh? What? Who? A bunch of owls at the table. Who? 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 You know, me? Is it 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 me? Him? Him? Me? Me? Him? You know, it's. Which one is it? And you know, they're not happy. Some are shocked. Why would Jesus do that? Why would He say someone is going to betray me at this table? He's not trying to create doubt. He's trying to create conviction. You hear me? He's not trying to create doubt and insecurity in you or in I or His disciples. He's trying to get them to look inside again and make sure because they're about to go through the ringer. Within 24 hours, Jesus would be on a cross. He would be dead. It's a, well, let me say it this way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 that a person should examine themselves. Not whether you're perfect or not, that's not what he's asking, but you should reflect. Because having the Lord's Supper with, with Jesus is big. Having the Lord's Supper with Jesus, you're saying we are connected. I'm with you and you're with me. It's funny that Judas would call Jesus Rabbi. Everybody else called him Lord. You check that out and read the Gospels, and it's Judas who knows where he stands with God, and he calls him Rabbi. He's not his Lord, he's a teacher. Jesus wants you to look inside here on Easter morning. He wants you to look inside as we take this Lord's Supper together. And let me ask you a question. Where do you think you stand with God this morning? That's the question I want you to think about. It's a time to reflect. It's a time time to think. Where do I stand with God? I'll tell you, He loves you. You know where He stands on the issue. But where do I stand on it? And He asked all of His disciples then and He asks all of His disciples now the same question. And finally, with this supper, I think Jesus is saying, look ahead. You know, it's funny. That, again, the Passover meal got people ready to leave Egypt. They, they, they took a lamb four days before the Passover. They sure it was perfect. They would slaughter it put blood over the doorpost, like I said before, and they would be inside, and they would have their, their cloak tucked, they'd have their sandals on, as if they were ready to go at any, in any moment. Exodus twelve eleven says, you're to be ready to go and eat this meal in haste. Hurry through it, because at any second, I'm going to ask you to move, and you've got to move. So does Jesus feel the same way? I think about these guys here. They're all sitting here and they're they're eating the Passover meal and I've wondered, did they have their cloaks tucked and their sandals on and did they have a staff? I mean, Leonardo da Vinci sure didn't have them that way, huh? And I don't know of any painter that captured that and I can't find any evidence that the disciples had their cloak tucked or their sandals on or holding a staff in their hand. Yet Jesus is telling them He says, I want to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. Within hours, things are going to go crazy. And He's going to call them to obedience. You see, this this Lord's Supper is is about moving out of bondage, out of Egyptian bondage, and into freedom or into, into some kind of freedom and redemption. And the Lord's Supper, Jesus wanted to make sure we understood this, that, it's to, that the Lord's Supper re, reminds us that God got us out of our sin, got us out of our mess, got us out of our stuff, and set us free. So when He says, you do this, you do this and remember Me. Now, not like... Listen... When you look at the structure and how this is, is worded, he's not saying "remember me like I was dead." You know, we remember people that are dead in our lives. We remember relatives, family members, famous people. You know, I was listening uh, on the radio this morning about Martin Luther King. Remembering, remembering Martin Luther King. We have a memorial in Washington. Remember him. He's dead. This memorial here is not about remembering somebody that's that's dead, but alive. And today, you and I, on Easter Sunday of all times, we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, folks. And I just wonder if sometimes we, we take it so often, church, that we don't have our cloak tucked and our shoes on and our staff ready to do whatever God says at a moment's notice. That we have that kind of urgency. That kind of willing spirit that says, Lord, whatever you want, it's done. Whatever you need, it's done. That's, that's, that's what he, and he says to them. Remember me. Not as somebody locked in the past. But remember me now and the future that you have. Because of me. My body's broken. Last week, we, as I choked on bread last week, Don't do that, Tim. Somebody says, That's not a good idea. I said, I think I figured that out. But you remember, I took that loaf of bread from Breadco and I rip it apart. It's tough to rip apart. It takes some violence, something violent to rip it apart. In order to be offered, Jesus was broken violently on the cross. No, His bones weren't broken. But He was violently killed. I was listening this morning to someone telling me that the The Roman soldiers were experts in inflicting pain and punishment on people. And they did their best work they could on Jesus. And He stayed on that cross for you and for me. His body is offered. It cannot be offered without being broken. And by the way, you can't accept Christ without being broken. Then he says something about his blood. He says he takes this cup. Did you know, I thought this was interesting. Alan was pointing this out to me. and I, started, I, 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 can't, I can't shake it now because I'm reading all about it. There were four cups in the Passover feast. Did you know that? Four cups. I've always wondered why Luke 22 records two cups. I thought maybe it was a typographical error. There's two cups recorded. Did you notice that? I don't know if you ever noticed that in Luke 2. He takes a cup, then the bread, and then another cup. That's because in the Passover meal there are four cups. There's the first cup is the cup of sanctification. That's that's the first cup. Uh, The second cup is the cup of judgment. Then there's the third cup, the cup of redemption. And then the last cup is the cup of praise. And in these four cups there's four promises made by God. Future. Four promises you can count on in the Passover meal. He says, first he goes, I promise to bring you out of Egypt. I promise, secondly, with the second cup, to free you from bondage. The third cup, I promise to redeem you. And with the fourth cup, I promise to take you to be my people, and you take me to be your God. You know which cup Jesus uses? It's not the cup of sanctification, it's not the cup of judgment. It's the cup of redemption that He lifts up and says, This is My blood. It's interesting, in the Passover meal, they warm this particular goblet of wine. So when you drink it, it's warm like blood is. Did you know that? Jesus, I don't know if He warmed it up, okay? But He holds that cup of redemption and says, this is My blood that's been poured out. What's that mean? Like a drink offering in the Old Testament, you just pour it all out. He gave it all up. And He says, do this from now on as you go forward. Remember this. Now these words of Jesus um, as He raised His third cup are similar to words spoken to, listen to this, by a groom who's proposing to his bride. What do you mean to him? Well, in Jewish tradition, when a young man wishes to marry a maiden, he would take a cup of wine and offer it to her. And by doing that, he's saying, I am offering my blood, my life, my future, and all that I have to give you. Will you share life together with me? And then the maiden, the bride, has a choice to make. Do I refuse it or do I drink it? And if she drinks it, she is saying this, I accept and receive what you offer me, and I offer myself in return. That's what this cup is doing to these disciples. They understand when they drink from it. I'm, I'm agreeing to you, Lord. I'm surrendering to you, Lord. This is not how you become a Christian in the sense of drinking out of a cup, guys. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for people who are believers and who are disciples or Christians, this is how you're to approach your Lord. When you drink that cup, you accept Him and you offer yourself to Him. It's like a new beginning, a new future. Uh, last week, My, Michael and Melissa were married and they're here. They've come back because they saw the picture of this and said, We've got to get back. We've got to see this. And one of the things I said, it reminded me of a song, and that was uh, a, a song I used to hear when I was a kid. And it, and it goes like this I used to say, I and me, now it's us, now it's we. That's what you're doing with the Lord's Supper you don't eat this bread and drink this cup lightly. For it is with your Lord. And He's saying, be ready because I'm going to ask you to do something or I'm going to tell you to do something and be ready at a moment's notice to obey Me. I think that's why we take it every week, to remind us every week, Lord, I'm ready. What do you need Me to do? Because you've done so much for me, we're going to pray, and then we're going to pass the bread, this unleavened bread, and uh, this grape juice, this fruit of the vine, and uh, remember our Lord Jesus here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for thank you for the great sacrifice of your Son and the great power displayed in a tomb. Father, I just think about that, and I think about how. Your judgment came upon the world when Jesus was killed, and also redemption came as well. Just like the Passover, you brought you brought not a lamb, not a, not a you didn't take a lamb from us, but your own lamb. He was killed, his blood shed, and by surrendering to you, Lord. Death passes over us, judgment passes over us, and we live this new life, this new beginning of us and we. Well, I pray this morning as we remember your son Jesus that we don't do this in some quick easy fashion. I know today the the Jews when they take Passover, they say they relax. And Father, I know the original one, they weren't relaxing. It was about to get really crazy. Father, He was preparing them for that. And Father, today we live in a, in a world now where being a Christian isn't so popular. Help us, help us, Father, see that You want Your Christians, You want Your disciples, even today, to be ready to obey at the drop of a hat. Help us honor Your Son's death, remembering what He's done in a way that will affect what we do from this moment forward. Father, thank You for Easter Sunday, Lord. I pray, Father, that this morning that You will bless everyone here, Lord, as we leave, as we, as we get with our families, and as we eat together, that we just not spend time um, just goofing off and playing, but that in the back of our mind somewhere, Lord, that You'll remind us with Your Holy Spirit that we get to do this with our families, not because somebody gives us the day off on a Sunday here, but because of Your grace and Your mercy, Your love. Lord, I pray that, again, those of us that are hurting this morning, those of us that are confused this morning, those of us that that have this ache inside, Father, that will find the answers, will find um, the solutions from looking to You. Father, thank You for the tomb being empty. It fills our lives because it is. And we praise You in the name of Jesus. Amen.